This morning we will be in 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll read uh, verses 7 through 11, but we'll particularly focus in there on verse 9. Uh, if you need help finding 1 Peter, uh, you want to go through all the letters of Paul and all the way through Hebrews and James, and 1 Peter is the letter right after James. If you get to books like uh, Jude or 1 John, you've gone a little too far. 1 Peter chapter 4, as I said, we'll read verses 7 through 11 and focus in particularly on verse 9. We continue our sermon series on hospitality. Uh, We learned from God's word through Peter this morning that uh, we need to have the right attitude towards hospitality, uh, namely being hospitable to one another without grumbling or complaining. So let's hear together God's word from 1 Peter 4 verses 7 through 11. Brothers and sisters, these are the very words of God. Peter writes, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And may God now add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Not often a preacher who likes to tell stories, but I'm going to begin this morning with a brief story about a woman whose life uh, was stretched by God, a woman whose life was stretched and stretched and stretched by God right to the breaking point, and then he stretched her just a little bit more. It's a woman who uh, was a single mother. Her husband had died and left her alone with a young son to take care of all by herself. Uh, Her city had no government programs for widows. There was no relief aid for a woman in her position. And she lived in a time of, of a food scarcity, a time when there was severe limits on food supplies and even on water as well. Having lost her husband and left alone with her little son to care for all by herself, uh, this woman and her son lived on a malnourishing diet, eating little every day, slowly withering away. This woman watched her own son become little more than skin and bones. Finally, she had enough food left for one last meal, one last meal for her and her son before they would effectively resign themselves to starvation and death. This was a woman who was stretched, stretched very thin. Times like those are when we learn who people really are. When things are good, it's, it's very easy for us to put up facades, right, to fake it, put on the mask. But when we are stretched, and especially when, when we are stretched really tight like a rubber band, that's when we realize who we really are. It's what we find with this woman's story. When 
Life had been stretching her and stretching her, and she was at the breaking point. There was one last little pull of a stretch. A stranger showed up on her block, and he cried out to this woman. He said, do you have anything to drink? Could I just get from you a glass of ice water? I'm really thirsty. Duh, everybody's thirsty. We're all thirsty here. There's no water to drink. But she turned to go get him a cup of water. And as she turned, this man cried out again, Do you have anything to eat? Could you give me a little bit of food? And that was the breaking point for this woman. She turned around. Enough was enough. She said, Don't you understand? Don't you understand who I am and my predicament right now? I've got just enough left to feed me and my son one last meal, and then we're dying. And you have the audacity to ask me for food? The man pressed in, though. He didn't give up. He said, just trust me. Don't be afraid. I want you to go cook your last meal, just like you planned for you and your son, but bring me a little bit of it first. Bring me a little bit of that food before you give it to you or your son. God has told me that he will take care of you. God has ensured that your food will not run out and your water will not run dry. Well, now this woman had a choice, right? She's faced with a choice. What am I going to do? This man says that God has told him that if I give him a little bit of the small, meager amount of food I have left, that God will provide for me and that God will take care of me. But that's hard to believe. That's really hard to believe right now. This woman has a choice. Is she going to walk by sight? Is she going to deny the man his request and embrace death for her and her son? Or is she going to walk by faith and take God at his word and listen to what this man has to say and do what he has asked her to do? Your circumstances today, friends, they're not the same. None of us are struggling quite like this woman was. We're not facing the same kind of stretching that she was. But I know that you feel the same kind of feeling. You feel that stretch. Life is stretching you. Maybe your family is stretching you. Work is stretching you, or maybe the lack of work. Taxes, bills, kids, aging, sickness. Stretch and stretch and stretch, and you're just being stretched right out to the breaking point. And then last week, Pastor Keith announces in church six sermons on hospitality. And maybe for some of you, that's the moment like what that woman experienced. And it's that breaking point, right? Are you kidding me? What? I, I've got nothing left. I, I don't have space to think about that right now. I would rather hear sermons, Keith, on anything else. Do six sermons on tithing before you do six sermons on this. For goodness sake, anything but hospitality. Don't you know I'm being stretched right now? 
You are being stretched. I've no doubt about it. This woman was being stretched. There's no question about it. And she faced a question. She faced a choice. And it's the same choice that y'all are facing right now. When I am being stretched and God calls on me to be stretched a little bit more, what will I do? How will I respond? Will I walk by sight, by appearances, by what my flesh tells me? Or will I walk by faith and lean into God's promises and take him at his word and do what he says? Well, the woman made a choice. 1 Kings 17, verse 15 story of the widow of Zarephath, and it says that she made this choice. She went away and did according to the word of Elijah. We just read that story a few weeks ago in our, in our Old Testament readings. This woman, faced with a choice, went away and did according to what Elijah had asked her to do. She went and got him a little cup of water. She prepared the meager amount of food she had left for her and her son, but she tore a chunk off, brought it to the prophet, and gave it to him first. She made a choice. She walked by faith. She took God at his word, and she walked accordingly. And the Bible says that she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord. I don't know how that worked. I don't know what that would have looked like if you had gone into her pantry and and looked at the amount of flour and oil she had left. I don't know what it would have looked like in those jars. But the Bible tells us that every day, this woman goes in, and there's still some oil left. And there's still some flour left. And her and her son and this prophet of God eat and are satisfied every day. Now, I want to point out to you in that story, God never sent her a surplus. She doesn't all of a sudden get a full bin of flour again and a full jar of oil again. But every day, one day at a time, God provides what she needs for that day. And God kept his promise to her that that flour would not run out and that oil would not run dry. Now, we're not told what that woman's attitude was. We're not told what her inner monologue was in that moment of being confronted with that choice. I have no doubt that she probably, like that father in the Gospels, had that moment of, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, I take you at your word, but this seems impossible, and I don't understand how it's going to work. But you have to remember, friends, as this woman knew, that the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. I don't know how that oil didn't run out. I don't know how that flour didn't run empty. I couldn't tell you. But the Bible says that that's what God did for this woman when she took God at his word and obeyed his commandment. This woman, I think in every sense, embodied 1 Peter 4, verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. From a human perspective, from a worldly perspective, the widow of Zarephath had every reason to grumble. She had every reason to turn around and chew out this Elijah man who had the audacity the audacity to come to me and ask me for some of my food that I have left. Why why didn't God send him to a rich person in Zarephath? Why not send him to the leader 
the king, the royal court. Why not send him to a wealthy businessman? Why did God choose to send him to me, of all people? But she walks by faith. And she obeys God's word. And she practices this hospitality toward Elijah. And God blesses her for it. God had a clear command for this woman through the prophet. And he had a very clear promise for her through Elijah as well. And friends, it's the same command for you and I today, and we have the same promise waiting for us, if only we'll take it. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Care for one another, meet each other's needs, love one another with fervent love, and do it without grumbling. I think those two words in the English translation are are what drive me to say that this verse is impossible to do without God. Because you might be able to be hospitable, right? You might be able to be hospitable to somebody, to open your home, to make someone a meal, to do something loving and caring for someone else, sacrificing your own time and energy. You might be able to do that. But to do it without any sense of complaining or grumbling or bitterness, that takes a work of God, I believe. That takes a miracle. But what is impossible with you and me is easy with God. Although for this woman it looked impossible to have her flour sustained and to have her oil sustained, it was easy to God. He didn't have to lift a finger to keep providing for that woman's needs. And friends, as much as we might not like it, as much as we might wish that 1 Peter 4 9 hadn't made it into the New Testament, the reality is this. God has told us how we ought to live in this regard. He has clearly called us to practice certain things and to do so with the right attitude. And he has a promise that if we will walk by faith and embrace it and do it, that we will have the same blessing this woman had. The blessing of being cared for, the blessing of provision from God, the blessing even of being a champion of God's grace in our lives. We don't know the widow of Zarephath's name. It's not recorded for us. But you know her story. Maybe even as I was telling you that story in a sort of backhanded, roundabout way without telling you what I was doing there, saying it was a Bible story, maybe you already knew it. You already picked up on it because you knew that story from your scriptures. Jesus references this woman in the New Testament as an example of great Gentile faith. Faith from a woman who had no reason to have faith in the God of Israel. And friends, it's the same for us today. God has a clear word for us, a clear command, and a clear promise if we will embrace it. I understand that this is challenging. I understand that maybe last week when I announced this sermon series, you sort of felt your stomach start churning a little bit. Isn't it always easier for us to want sermons that go hard about how other people need to change? Right? Keith, tell me about how all those woke people need to change. Right? Keith, tell me about how the social Marxists today need to change. Right? Tell me about how the elitists and the globalists need to change. Right? I'll, I'll receive that all day. But don't tell me this. Some things in the Bible are just off limits. No, they're not. No, they're not, friends. Don't, don't do what the progressive churches did 100 years ago and start saying, well, I like this part, but I don't like this part. I like God's teaching about this, but I don't like God's teaching about this. Let's get rid of those parts I don't like. And let's just keep the parts I do like. 
you see where that led them. It's leading to apostasy. The moment you start, uh, like Thomas Jefferson once did, the moment you start taking your white out and start whiting out the verses you don't want in the Bible, you're in a heap of trouble. You don't do it with the Bible's teaching about sexual morality. You don't do it with the Bible's teaching about false religions and false teachers. And we can't do it with 1 Peter 4.9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Last week, you had to face the question, am I okay if God steps on my toes? Am I okay if God comes in and tells me that I still have some things in my life that need changing? Not Pastor Keith. I didn't write 1 Peter 4.9. I'm only called to preach it. God gives this word to you. God tells you this word. And your question that you need to wrestle with, and I can't do it for you, but you've got to wrestle with it. Am I okay with God changing my life? Am I ready to receive the life-changing power of God to make me this kind of person? To make me a hospitable person without grumbling? I want to consider with you quickly the five ways that Peter tells us how this happens right because apart from God this is impossible but Peter lays out for us in these verses how I can become hospitable without grumbling and the first thing we need to do is remember Jesus Christ six times in this Short letter of 1 Peter. Six times Peter uses the exact phrase, the sufferings of Christ. He wants to remind you of the cross. He's doing exactly what Paul said he does, that he preaches nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Peter wants you to keep your eyes set on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Remember the cross. Remember Jesus. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember the gospel. If you strive to obey God and do what God says without remembering what God has first done for you, you will quickly become bitter and disheartened. If you think that showing hospitality is how you get God's favor or how you get God's love, that somehow if I just become a more hospitable person and I do my best to grit my teeth and not complain about it when people step on my toes, if I just do that, then God will love me. If that's your attitude, you'll quickly burn out, you'll quickly become discouraged, and probably you'll just start hating people because you'll have no fuel. You've got no gas in the engine. You, you, you're going to wear out and break down. But if you remember Jesus Christ and you remember what God has first done for you in Jesus and you remember his sufferings for you, then you can have the right attitude. You can have the right perspective on hospitality, that God is only calling me to do what he's first done for me in his son. So remember Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Secondly, Peter tells us to look towards eternity. He said there in verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. Look towards eternity. Don't just look at the present costs and the present benefits. If you're just looking at hospitality from the perspective of how much is this going to cost me to have this person over for a meal? How much is it going to cost me 
to do this or that? How much time is it going to drain from my busy schedule to go visit this person? How much energy is it going to drain from my life to have this person over who needs someone to talk to? If you're just looking at present benefits and present costs, you're going to quickly become frustrated. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of eternity, and you're looking at the eternal reward that's coming to you in Christ Jesus, and you can keep that eternal perspective and say, a little bit more exertion now leads to a great blessing later, you can run with endurance the race set before you. Look to eternity. Don't just look at the here and now. Look towards what God has promised to give you in eternal life and live accordingly. Thirdly, seek fervent love. Peter says, above all things, verse 8, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Not just regular love, not just run-of-the-mill love, fervent love. To be done right, hospitality must come out of love. Peter has a couple things to say about fervent love in this little book. In chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, he talks about how fervent love only results from us being born again. Because you are born again of the imperishable word, the imperishable seed of God's word, Peter says you can now have fervent love for one another. Regeneration, the act of God to make you born again in Christ, born of his spirit, that produces in you fervent love for the believers, fervent love for the body of Christ. And what Peter is saying here is that fervent love then manifests itself in things like hospitality without grumbling. Hospitality must be an extension of the love that you have for the body of Christ, for your fellow believers. Love, in a very real sense, fervent, real love for others will make hospitality easy for you. I love my daughter. I love Nora. There are times when she frustrates me and gets on my toes for sure, but I love her. And I am willing to do things for her because of that love that I would be frustrated and bitter to do for anybody else. I'll be sitting there working at my computer at home if I'm working from home. I've got books out. I've got papers going. I'm writing. I'm trying to research. I'm doing all these different things. And she'll come into my little bedroom office, and she'll just come up next to me. Daddy, can you play with me? Uh, I don't really have time, honey. I'm, I'm busy. I've got to get this thing done. Daddy, can you, can you come play with me? Uh, honey, I, you know, I, I really, this is something I've got to do. Can you go get my, you know, blah, blah, blah. Daddy, can you play with me? Yes, honey. I'd, I'd be happy to play with you. Let's go play for a few minutes, and I'll do this later. I'm willing to do things for her that, quite frankly, I wouldn't be willing to do for a stranger. If, if a stranger knocks on my door wanting to sell me solar panels for my roof and interrupts my work that way, I'd probably be a little angry, and I wouldn't be willing to listen to him. But if my daughter, who I love, interrupts my work and asks me to do something sacrificial for her, I'm much more inclined to do it because I love her. And I'll tell her, yes, I'll fit you in here. I'll come play for a few minutes. This thing can wait. 
Fervent love. Fervent love for the believers makes hospitality easy. Where does love come from? Ask for it. Ask God to give you fervent love. Love doesn't come from within you, Christian. It comes from the Spirit of God in you. And so if you are sitting here feeling like, I don't know that I have fervent love for the believers, go back to Christ, go back to the love that God has first shown you in Jesus, and ask God to give you fervent love. Fourthly, prayerful dependence on God. You cannot show hospitality without grumbling, without fervent, prayerful dependence on God. Look, at, look again there at uh, verse 11. And in particular, that phrase, Peter says, if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. When Elijah went to the widow of Zarephath and asked her for the food, he didn't tell her to produce her own miracles. He didn't tell her, hey, you work a miracle for me and produce food to sustain us. He didn't tell her, hey, you go and do something supernatural. God did the miracle. God did the providing. And everything that this woman shared with Elijah came out of what God had first provided for her. All she had to do was take God at his word and do what he had asked her to do. Faithfully obey God and trust that God will provide what she needed to do it. You may have heard the saying, maybe to you it sounds trite, but it's true that if God calls you to do something, he will equip you for what he calls. He will equip you to do what he calls you to do. God has never asked you to fight his battles in your own strength. God has never asked you to charge the enemy line with no ammunition and no supplies. If he calls you to do something, he is going to equip you to do it. He may not give you the surplus stockpile that you wish you had. Right? Remember, that widow of Zarephath, she's kind of kept on the bottom of the jar the whole time. But every time she dips down for the oil and every time she reaches in for the flour, there's more in there for her. Depend on God. Trust that God will provide for you. Do these things with the ability which God supplies for you. We'll talk next week about how sometimes that means that you need to not just be a practicer of hospitality, but a receiver of hospitality. Sometimes you, you just are legitimately burning out, and instead of trying to do more, God is calling you to receive more. We'll talk next week about how Jesus shows us what it looks like to be a gracious receiver of hospitality. But depend on God. Don't do it in your own strength, friends. You can't do it apart from the Lord. And finally, fifth and lastly, the thing that will help you show hospitality without grumbling, keep your eye on the prize. What, what is hospitality all about? What is the goal? Peter says... The goal is God's glory through Jesus Christ. Look at the end there of verse 11. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that, so that, in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Not you may be glorified. That's one of the differences between uh, what we call entertaining and hospitality. Entertaining, the goal, is my glory. 
The goal is for people to be very impressed with the meal you prepared or with the table setting that you put out or with the home that you have built. Entertaining is about look at me and what I have done. Hospitality is about look at God and what God has done. And if we are practicing hospitality in the hopes that people will think better of us or that we'll gain greater standing in our community or that people will be really impressed with our homes or our meals or our love, again, you're going to burn out quickly because people are never going to feed you as much satisfaction as you think you deserve. People are never going to commend your meal as much as you think they ought to do so. You understand what I mean by that? If you go into hospitality, you, right, you say, let's have this person over at my home, we'll make this big lavish meal, and my goal, my plan in my head is, oh, they will think very highly of me and my skills and my abilities. Maybe I want to show off how much money I make at work or something like that. You'll be disappointed. They'll never be as impressed with you as you are with yourself. Just the way it is. But if my goal in having this person over or taking a meal to this person or caring for this person in this way, if my goal is for God to get glory, then I'm not thinking about me. I'm not thinking about what they're saying about me. All I'm thinking about is, how can I show this person the love of God? How can I show this person how great God is? Entertaining is often stressful because it demands a sort of clean, tight professionalism. If you're entertaining, you have to do a deep clean on your house first, right? And you've got to make sure everything's put away just right. And you've got to make sure that everything you've cooked is, is just perfect. It's demanding. Its standards are high. It's not inherently bad in itself, but it's not hospitality. Hospitality is, is often, by definition, messy. It's not clean. It's not sterile. It's messy. Turn over with me, if you would, Proverbs 14, verse 4. Go back to your Old Testament book of Proverbs. I love this proverb. There's so many applications of it, but especially in the realm of hospitality and the messiness of hospitality, Proverbs 14, verse 4. Speaking in an agricultural uh, context, the proverb says, Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. What is that proverb saying? If you want a spick and span clean barn, don't get any oxen. But if you want increase, You've got to deal with the ox and the mess that he brings. Some of us don't want to practice hospitality because we're more concerned with a clean house than we are with a full house. We're more concerned with making sure everything is just perfect and keeping everything up to our high demands on ourselves instead of simply being open to the messiness of life. If you want a clean barn, don't get any oxen. But if you want a fruitful harvest, you've got to deal with the mess. You've got to deal with a dirty barn. Many, many ways we could apply that to our lives, but especially in hospitality. 
Friends, Jesus didn't wait for us to have a clean house to come visit. Jesus didn't wait to enter our world until we had gotten it cleaned up for him. He came into the mess, right? He came into the messiness of a sinful, corrupted world full of sinful, corrupted people and all of our problems and all of our struggles and all of our weakness. And he comes in and he embraces us in it. Just last night in our family worship, we read the story about Jesus healing the leprous man. A man who by God's own standard and certainly the cultural norms of his day, this man was untouchable. You don't even go near a person like this because he's unclean and he's messy. And Jesus comes in and not only does he heal the man, the Bible explicitly says he touches him. He reaches out and he touches this man who probably hadn't been touched in years. And he heals him of his leprosy. Jesus heals the mess of your life by touching the mess of your life. And when it comes to hospitality, if we want to experience the blessing God has for us in this, we have to accept the fact that it's going to be a mess sometimes. It's not always going to be clean cut and sterile and professional. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it, it looks like it's going to fall apart any minute. It looks like it's held together with duct tape, but it keeps going and it keeps working. Jesus entered our mess. He embraced us while we were still sinners. And he died for those sinners, not begrudgingly. He did it with fervent love. He did not grumble when it came to accomplishing our salvation. With everything that it cost him, with all the places you can find in the Gospels where he could have complained and been bitter and, and begrudged us, he never did it. Jesus loves you, friend, with an everlasting love. He loves you with a love that bears with all of your weaknesses and all of your mess, even the messes that you still have going on in your life. Jesus still loves you with fervent, everlasting love. And God's call for us, as we are receiving that love, to then share it with one another. Jesus says, you also love one another as I have first loved you. That's what hospitality is all about. Love one another as Christ has first loved you. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for this good word, and Lord, we ask your blessing on us. Oh Lord, we pray that as we have heard the Bible preached, that you would put it deep in our hearts. Oh Lord, make our souls into good soil to rightly receive the seed of your word, that we would then bear fruit Oh, Lord, keep us from any spirit of bitterness. I pray, Lord, that if, if anything I have said today was not from you, that you would take it out of the way and remove it. But, Lord, I pray that the, the truth of the gospel that we have heard this morning would penetrate deeply into our hearts to change us, to transform us, to make us more like Jesus. All these things we ask in his name. Amen.